Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show that's brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. This is our last episode before we break up for the FIFA World Cup, so we might not be seeing you for a little while after this, but it should be a pretty good one to sign off on because we were not let down by our last game, and we're going to talk about a very important match on the Plus Dave podcast, which is Spurs Leeds. Now, if there was ever a game where where one could say it was predictable that we were going to have a 4-3 outcome. This might just have been it. So we are going to talk all through that and all the seven goals that we saw in that match. And we're also going to have a little look at a few other things. Obviously, we had the Nottingham Forest game, which I think we would all like to forget about. And also, as I mentioned, this is our last episode before the World Cup begins. So we are going to have a little look ahead to the World Cup with a bit of a Spurs flavour to look at some of our representatives that are heading to Qatar in just a few days' time before that we are going to talk about Spurs leads of course and to help me do that as always are my trusted associates starting with Elio. Elio welcome back for another week no quiz this week but at least your mammoth journey was probably worth the time and effort you got your money's worth this week didn't you? Um, not in terms of security, safety, or things that comfort. Yeah, um, it, <laughs> yeah. it would probably be remiss to describe it as an enjoyable experience, but it, it was obviously a very exciting match. And yeah. an enjoyable you, five minutes. Well, quite. Now, I know that it's not good for the heart, but you'd rather win four three than one nil. Mm. You go to football to see goals, and this was two sides with horrible defenses. And all right, we have in theory the better players, but potent attacks just sort of slugging it out and yeah yeah i imagine the managers weren't thrilled particularly but definitely gonna be <laughs> one of the matches of the season i think yeah not a day for defenders as they say but it was mm. it was definitely a fun one for the neutrals dave sadly you're not a neutral so commiserations we kind of joked but we weren't really joking last week about how it could be a goal fest and it obviously didn't let us down how are you feeling after that i know you hate going into any kind of international break on loss and this is the ultimate international break but do you have any positives to take from your players Yes, yes, definitely positives. Yeah. As Elia mentioned, mainly in the attacking areas. I think mm. inexplicably our defence seems to have gone backwards recently, but hey, we can talk about that a bit later. But yeah, I'm looking forward to not having raised blood pressure every time a football team play. Although, you know, you never know, that might happen <laughs> when, England, when England start, England. <laughs> um, uh, start playing. But I think in terms of humdigger scale, I think yeah. leads are a bit higher than England are going to be over the next five weeks. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine we'll have a 4-3 in the Iran game, but I may be proven wrong. Let's Maybe see. in the US Let's game. Let's see. Well, possibly. Who knows? Who knows? But we'll get onto that in a bit. But Elio, before we get into talking about Spurs leads, let's just have a quick run through of the League Cup game, which sadly saw us succumb to an early exit at the hands of Nottingham Forest. I'll, I'll let you decide. How long do you think we need to assign to this particular portion of the show? Is this worth a minute? 30 seconds? How, how, Give how me you a countdown of one minute. See how Go much I can say and cut me off if I go over my 60 seconds. All right, start timing now. Okay, you can go now. So I did not watch the match. I haven't seen the goals either. <laughs> Great <start>. um, I, <laughs> I listened to the match on the radio um, very attentively. And after the second goal went in, I turned off. Um, it was disappointing to me that he didn't uh, rotate a bit more heavily because the Leeds game was mm -hmm. always the important one. And I think our players were slightly walking dead by the end of the Forest match and it could have really screwed us over. It very nearly did. But yeah, 
I choose to pretend that the Forest game never happened. This was a bit like Charlton <laughs> all those years back under Pochettino. You're not going to lose any sleep over it then. Mm. I, I'm no. disappointed with us going out in limp fashion. It would have been nice to see people like Brian Hill and Jed Spence yep. uh, get their starts. Never mind. Am I done yet, by the way? Is my 60 seconds up? Well, three, two, one, and that's 60 seconds. Great effort. Very concise, Elio. And you had me. I didn't watch the game or see the goals. That was It was almost <laughs> like Dave for a second. I, for a minute, I had to just double check who I was listening to. Um, let's get on to the Spurs-Leeds game then. So seven goals to talk about. Four of them scored by someone called Rodrigo, which is lovely. So let's get into it, shall we? It was exactly what we all expected. It was madness from the first minute. So we've got seven goals to talk about. Let's go straight into the first one, which was a man we talked about quite a lot last episode, didn't we? A guy with the best name in the league, also known as Jimmy. Dave, what do you think of this goal? Do you think this was Jimmy... Somerville just showing his class or was this a combination of Spurs players not really putting up enough of an opposition? Um, well, I think the build-up to the goal was good by Aronson. I think mm. one of the cool things about Somerville, and to a lesser extent, but some there as well with Aronson, is the fact that they the fearless element of them being, you know, twenty-one means that yeah, means that yeah. they're, they're not afraid to just go for it. And I think that's key in two points of that first goal. First being the the through ball that Aronson uh, made, which, to be honest, you know, even when it was made, I was like, I'm not sure that was a that was a well played through ball. I don't think that's going to yeah. turn into a real chance. But then Somerville taking a quick touch and then taking a quick shot because that takes people by surprise. Defenders don't get mm. time to react and don't expect it. So I think you'd be probably being quite quite harsh on the defenders who are marking Silver Ball because he takes it so early. And Aronson was scrapping for that ball. So I think uh, I don't think there's much blame there either, but mm. I'm sure Elio will correct me if I'm wrong. Well, yeah, so, I mean, he obviously did well to score and he showed some quick feet, but from a Spurs perspective, we talked about it before, I'm always looking for our defenders and who made the mistake and who I can shout angrily at and blame for the goal. And I thought both Hoiberg and Dyer were a little bit weak and a little bit flat-footed for that. And I'm curious to hear if Elio agrees. I feel like we continued where we left off against Liverpool in terms of failing to close back that ball in behind down a right-hand side and letting a much faster player than Eric Dyer have a yeah. run at Eric Dyer. So yeah. I think, well then, Jesse Martin, he clearly saw something that he could exploit and mm. did it very well with a very impressive young couple of players. I think Dyer could have used his strength a little bit more yeah. against the smaller guy but at the same time I don't want to take away from Somerville doing incredibly well to get in a shot from an angle and once again I can't blame Eric Dyer for being slower than Somerville I think probably most centre-backs in the league will be still think that we didn't learn lessons from the previous week. I do think that it's probably worth saying that the last two times that somebody has tried to use their strength on Somerville, we've won two penalties. Um, one against I was going to say, yeah, there's a line, Bournemouth. isn't there? So that's another of his strengths is the fact that he is he does have that ability to, to not only get there, but then get the touch on the ball so that he can then be put mm. past the defender when the defender tries to yeah. tries to close him down. So, yeah, like he's got four in the last four. He's obviously on yeah. a bit of a purple patch and the World Cup's come at the wrong time for him. 
Yeah. And mm-hmm. look, I think to be fair, all of your goals were actually really good finishes. And I can probably find fault from the Spurs players for all of them. But I think I'll say from now, from my perspective, they were all really nicely taking goals. So uh, I don't want to take anything away from you, Dave, because, you know, it's hard enough to take the defeat without us telling you that your goals were lucky or the Spurs let you have them. So uh, for the record, I thought that was a nice finish. Thanks um, very much. Let's talk about the equalizers then, shall we? And, and it's your old friend Gianni Vio stepping up again, Dave. Another set piece goal for Tottenham. Although I think this one actually deserves a bit more discussion because. Kane's footwork, Kane's touch to take it round. And look, we'll get on to what you're about to talk about, Dave. I can see your face and I know exactly what you want to talk about. But I think <laughs> let's talk about the finish first, just like I gave your guy credit for the finish. Let's talk about the finish. Elio, lovely composed touch from Kane to take it into the path of goal and to strike it in. I've been waiting a while for Kane to score one of those goals where he sort of belies how actually massive he is and makes himself look quite nimble and quite intricate because he used to bamboozle like that all the time and it's kind of dried up recently but this was a really really beautiful goal um i really loved the turn i really loved the way he took the defender out of the game and the finish was really really composed obviously there were circumstances which dave is desperate for i i I loved how to discuss Um, i'm trying to talk about this as long as i can first (laughs) (laughs) come on dave Um, come on dave step in just tell us what issue you took with that goal (laughs) i'm trying to find the right analogy for this to what you've just talked about. You're talking about Kane's good finish. That's the equivalent of like, I don't know, talking about Tonya Harding's great ice performance after she'd broken her opponent's legs. It's irrelevant. It's like talking about Maradona's really good one-two in the build-up to the hand of God. It's absolutely irrelevant. Um, and, and as for Vio, <laughs> I mean, it's if, not if, irrelevant. If it, if, it is, if it is, if Vio's tactic is to hit Maybe a it is. straight at a goalkeeper ready to punch out, then it's the dark enough. arts. That's, that's that's where they've they've obviously nailed it. But you know, it's a foul. Yeah. It's obviously a foul. We all know it's a foul. It is. I mean, I, I personally think goalkeepers get way too much protection, but that was a foul. I I don't know how we got away with it. If anything, but... it was two fouls. It was Richardson <laughs> pushing Longley. Who pushed then pushed <laughs> me, uh, Melier? Well, so Richarlison fouled Longley as well as uh, Melier. Richard, Richarlison did a double foul by pushing two people. <laughs> so not even itself out if you foul your own player. The <laughs> After the Callum Wilson situation on oh, um, here we go. on Hugo the other day, we were owed. We were owed it. I'm, yep. I'm sorry it was against you of all teams, but I think yep. most teams get the rubber green. I, I saw sort of. I think your brother actually, Dave, tweeted on on Twitter, sort of VAR checking club badge. <laughs> we don't. We don't get the good decisions. No, we've we've we had don't. so many horrible VAR decisions against us. So I'm not yeah, going to well, sort of. Yeah, more than any other team. I'll admit it was a foul, but. Listen, the Leeds, <laughs> Leeds fans will say that you're in the top six and you got that decision because you're in the top six. You would say you don't mm. get the decisions because you're not in the top four. Somebody in the top four will say they don't get the decision because they're not called Liverpool. It's fine. You're in the top four, it's, Dave. It's absolutely fine. It's not a problem because it's just a nonsense and we shouldn't talk about it because all we want is consistency and all we're getting is consistently wrong decisions, which is the opposite yeah. of what we were trying to achieve with VAR. It's just a joke. It's just a laughing well, stock. We shouldn't talk about it because there's another five goals to come. For one <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with any of those goals. Although you'll, we'll, okay. we, can prob- we can probably pull up Leeds' third to say that that you know probably shouldn't have been given. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll get on to that okay. then, shall we? we, uh, we I, we'll I personally think Melia needs to man up a little bit. I think he went down a little <laughs> easily, to be honest. How, I, how, how I, I don't think we should try and sign him anymore. Exactly. Anyway, anyway. The thing is, that goal is right in front of me as well. And in real time, I'm just sort of 
well, corners are chaotic, and especially when you're fairly close up, they're they're really chaotic. So you don't see the push. That's why you're not the referee, and that's why you're not in the VAR booth in (laughs) Stockton Park watching 15 replays. I know. It's crazy. At the time, time, yeah, sure. Oh, you don't even see it. You're you're tracking the ball. The keepers always fly around a bit. You're just watching. You're watching the ball, and you and you don't see it happen, but. One replay. That is all that needed. And I'm I agree. taking over here. I do. I'm moving on to the next goal. Okay, I want to talk about the next goal because there was nothing wrong with I'm this goal. I'm agreeing with him, though. I'm agreeing with him, and he's still <laughs> arguing with me. He's I so know. angry about he's it. Just, we we need to give I'm Dave fine. some time <laughs> to calm down by talking about a lovely finish, albeit one that I think it is fair to say, to some degree, Spurs gift wrapped and handed on a plate to you. And I think this is an example where. Perhaps, Elio, correct me if I'm wrong, Eric Dyer really should have done better here. He was caught a little bit napping, out of position, ball over the top, wasn't where he should have been. Him, Longley as well, I think a little bit, but the whole thing was, whenever balls just start getting sort of ping-pong headed up in the air, bounce back, bounce forth, I always get nervy with Spurs. That's just, yeah. that is just a surefire way for us to concede a goal within a few seconds of that. It's, it's as soon as it came back at us, I just knew, but... Rodrigo just hit a phenomenally powerful shot as well. I mean, that yeah, must first have been time. first. Yeah, that must have been a good yeah. ninety miles an hour. I think Lloris did touch it, didn't he? But yeah, he almost went like through his leg, but he, he did yeah. get a touch on it. Yeah, I yeah. don't blame the goalkeeper on that. It was such a hard hit and such a yeah. unexpected one as well. So well done, Rodrigo. God, I wish we could defend, but then <laughs> so does Dave. Yeah, still probably only his second best goal of the game, I would say. I would dare suggest, but we'll get on to that. We're going through in progression here. We're trying to keep things in chronological order. That's how we went into half time, And obviously we were 2-1 down and probably rightly 2-1 down. I think they played very well, Elio. Is there a strange sense going into matches losing a half time now that we can come back from anything? Because we've seen it so many times. We've won more points from losing positions than anyone else. I know it's not ideal, and I would rather have a nice, comfortable. You'd rather be tuning up at half time and cruising. But when the whistle went for half time, were you sitting there thinking, we can come back into this? This is far from over. I mean, I was thinking we can come back into this. And I also don't think we played anywhere near as badly as has been painted by sort of the usual boring rhetoric in the first Mm. half. We actually created chances. I mean, Emerson missed an absolute doozy from Mm -hmm. really, really close to the goal after some wonderful work from Kulisevsky. So, um, and obviously Kulisevsky, we should spend a couple of minutes talking about him in a bit. But Yeah, we'll get on to him. But we just were horrible at defending and unfortunately that is half the game you attack yeah. you defend we did one of those things really really well and probably scored fewer than we should have we did one of those things really really badly and conceded as many as we deserved so we deserve to be done did i think we'd come back i thought there'd be more goals in it and i think it was <laughs> going to be a did. bit of a a bit of a shot in dark as to which team would get the odd goal in well seven um, yeah, exactly. It's pretty worth noting, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that was the first time in eight matches where we actually scored a first half goal. So that was a sign mm. of good things to come, surely. I mean, you know, that's a good <laughs> omen. Um, Dave, I take it you were far from counting your chickens at halftime thinking that yeah. this was wrapped up. No, it's I was, a bit like, I was, how sh- must you be? We scored by half time. Exactly. Exactly. I knew the right. It didn't matter how many we scored. I knew the writing was on the wall. No, I, I, was, exactly. I was very, very, very calm at half time, mainly because hmm. I hadn't found a stream and I didn't see Kane's goal. So I, that obviously hadn't made me oh, mad so. yet. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, yeah. so I, uh, I only found a stream for the second half. So I was kind of half in it via Soccer Saturday and, and Five Live while doing hmm. some gardening to try and take 
take my mind off it. So, uh, but yeah, the second half yeah. was uh, was a different story. Well, let's talk about the second half then, shall we? So, Spurs levelled again with a goal from Ben Davies, although it was probably helped along the way by a couple of deflected touches. Um, yeah, anyway, I remember, that didn't get right, right at the beginning of... I think it probably was an own goal in fairness. I, I remember earlier at the beginning of the season, we had some hot takes and one of yours was that Ben Davies would score a thunder bastard teed up on the edge of the area off of a corner. And <laughs> if, if it wasn't for the fact that, that it actually ricocheted back and forth a couple of times before actually finding its way over the goal line, it was borderline, but I'm not going to give you that one. But either way, it was a goal that actually had quite a lot of involvement with Kudusevsky, who you mentioned, who I think this is a good chance to talk about because he was the one who drove down the right, cut the ball back and obviously led to the ball coming out to Davies on the edge of the box. And, and created that chance. Kulazewski looked on it from the first minute yeah. and it was almost a case of you knew what he was going to do and you couldn't stop him. And he really had your left back, who I know is not an actual left back, so a bit harsh on him maybe to criticise, but he really did have him on, <laughs> on toast. And mm. he could have set up a goal far earlier than he did, with, like I said, with the Emerson chance. But with this, he really did sort of create havoc in the defence. Ricochet came out after Kane's shot and, well... Davies got a bit of luck, but a bit like Rodrigo, you hit it that hard and it's going to... Yeah. It, well, it's going to cause problems. You've got to get people forward, haven't you? And I think the thing is, you don't often see centre backs there on the edge of the box willing to take that shot and actually there to take it. And I think I'm curious, Dave, what your thoughts were after that goal. Obviously, you're going to be frustrated because no one likes to concede the deflection, but there's got to be an element of you're inviting that pressure. It was coming. We were getting back into the game. Yeah. I, I, not much more to say, to be honest. I think it was just, yeah. yeah maybe our defenders could have rushed out a bit quicker, but, you know, the, the amount of deflections it took the how hard how hard davis hit it you know fair enough interesting yep, point yep. that you make on the left back which which you're <laughs> right was strauk not our regular left back but he was having a torrid time against kulosevsky and our regular left mm. back was on the bench but mm. he wasn't good enough to bring on even though strauk right, was yeah. getting the run around it's like so, bielsa never left dave think about that <laughs> shoehorning players in their wrong positions lovely well we're not going to complain about that the next goal however it's pretty hard to criticize because i thought this was maybe the finish of the game i would say i thought this was a lovely strike across goal from an informed player who seems to have picked up right where he left off before his injury and i must admit when he took the shot i thought ah, he's been driven too far wide this keeper's gonna get this he's not gonna score lovely finish wasn't it dave yeah great finish the build-up was uh, well the build-up was good in the sense that it was quick because we got the ball and then within literally two seconds it was with uh, yeah. two or three seconds it was with Rodrigo and Rodrigo took it took it well well yeah. really 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 good shot into the corner he's he's obviously on, on bang on form and again yeah. World Cup has come at the wrong time for him as well he's got four in his last yeah. four as well um, but uh, but yeah there was a probably a fairly decent shout for a foul on a Spurs player in that build up <laughs> Um, yeah. Which I well, I think I remember. Was it a scum game against Liverpool? Maybe Man City. Mm. Uh, the goal was disallowed um, mm. for a, for a foul in the build-up. Very similar position. Way way earlier in the build-up, wasn't yeah. it? Um, yeah. Consistency. Yeah. It was the yeah. foul on Ericsson. It was a foul on Ericsson. Oh, that's by, right. Yeah. In the game again. Well, I think it was against Liverpool, wasn't it? It was a foul mm, on Ericsson. Yes, that was about a whole minute yeah. or something before the goal. And yeah, Whereas it was, this was uh, yeah. probably about five or six seconds. But or was it Arsenal actually? Wasn't, wasn't I think involved. it might have been Arsenal. Maybe. I must admit, yeah, yeah. I didn't notice a foul. Like, I was too busy just shouting at, I think it was Doherty who gave the ball away in the first place. But I say gave the ball away. It was actually really good pressing from Leeds. It was a classic kind of gig and press goal. They no, won I it on it about the halfway line. Wasn't it? 
I think it was Doherty. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to be corrected. I just, from the highlights earlier, I think Doherty took a bit of a lazy touch and I can't remember which Leeds player came in, but it was really quick from winning the ball just inside our half to getting it out to Rodrigo. You really capitalise on that transition. It was a it was a nice goal. Um, Elio, do you think in the build-up of that, Sanchez was a little bit flat-footed there? I know it's always easy to try and pick holes in your defence and take it away from the opposition from what was actually a really Sanchez nice finish. Has- Good move. Sanchez has had an issue since the very beginning with us where he's quick, but he's not that quick. And he overrates his pace and gives the guy running at him that extra run before he starts backpedaling and trying to close the guy down. And he gets done as a result. He always reacts that second too late. And we've conceded so many goals over the years as a result of that. And he's not a kid anymore. He he should be doing better. If Sanchez had started motoring when Mm. he should have, then Rodrigo doesn't have any space to get the shot on. And he maybe even nicks the ball away. And or maybe worse comes to worse leads have a corner but he got waltz by and i know rodrigo's quick but i don't think he's yeah. dramatically faster so so yeah it's disappointing to see but it was still an exceptional finish and lovely, lovely uh, goal. I, I can't sort of fault the goalkeeper for letting that in because i don't think he'd ever imagine it would have actually gone in from that angle exactly i think coming back to the sanchez thing i think that's a bit of a theme with quite fast defenders and it's something that was always talked about with kyle walker where if a player is naturally quick they feel like they can get away with being a split second behind and not necessarily have the best positioning or anticipation and sometimes that works and sometimes it bails you out but you get the impression with sanchez he probably over rates his own speed off the mark sometimes which isn't ideal that was the last goal for Leeds in that match unfortunately and I messaged the group at that goal saying someone's going to win this 4-3 and I meant someone because I genuinely didn't know I saw more goals I was half joking but like we said last week we we just knew that it was going to be that kind of game and you could sense a relatively last minute winner coming the times did turn a little bit from then on so let's talk about the Spurs goals two in a row from the man of the moment Rodrigo Bentancur who I'm pretty convinced didn't score a goal for two years before joining Spurs and all of a sudden he's in amongst it. Elio, what did you think of Benton Kerr's first goal to make it 3-3? I mean, unfortunately for Leeds, it was another deflected goal, which um, which isn't great to see on, from their point of view, but he deserved it. I mean, he was a bit sloppy in terms of some of his play and his passing wasn't at its best, but this is a guy a week away from going to the World Cup, absolutely going after every single ball, taking responsibility, driving yeah. forward, showing so much sort of commitment. So I was really happy it was him in the end. Um, mm. The goal itself, I mean, it's scrappy. Uh, yeah. it, it fell well for him. He it fell very nicely, kind of didn't it? Shuts his eyes and hit it. It wasn't quite the composed finish he showed against Bournemouth. And and mm. well, you don't win the lottery unless you buy a ticket. You bought a ticket. He he got the goal. So really, really pleased for him. I think there's two ways of looking at a goal of that, isn't there? If I was a Leeds fan watching that, I'd think, oh, of course it drops perfectly right in front of him in space. But then I think there's something that's interesting is that Benson Kerr, he's not been a goal scorer for most of his career, and now he's actually finding himself just like we said about Davies before. He's on the edge of the box waiting for that ball to come back mm. which is, is a skill in itself do you think that that's something Conte has actually instilled in his game because he's getting goals where he never used to and it can't be that much of a coincidence I think if we're going to play a system with three centre-backs and three forwards then yeah. you absolutely need goals to come from the midfield mm. and 
it hasn't really happened that much for us recently, but it is now, and it must be something Conte is working on. I also think when you look at a player with Bentoncourt's talent, you always end up thinking to yourself, you should score goals. You've got the ability to. And, yeah. and it's like Dembele, the most frustrating thing about Musa Dembele was that yeah. he did not score goals. So, so much technique. Exactly. Not translating to striking. So, I think this is something that he would have needed to add to his game. And if he keeps it up, then he's going to end up a really top-class midfielder. But yep. he needs to continue now. Dave, how much did that goal sting? I know the answer is probably not quite as much as the next one, but it must have been tough the way it sort of fell for him so nicely. Well, to be honest, I wasn't. Uh, you know, he was exactly where he should have been. And I think it's good positional sense. And what annoys me is that there was a camera shot right behind him which shows yeah. that if Luke Elling's foot hadn't got in the way, it would have gone straight down Meslier's throat. Oh, um, yeah. But, but with the deflection, it just gives the keeper no chance. And then he's just like, well, it's just, mm. that's just not our day, is it? Yeah. And to be honest, there was a certain inevitability about the next goal. So by then I was just like, well, fine. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have written it off at that point, hadn't you? Well, let's talk about that goal because I think it's probably easy to say given that it was the winning goal. But for me, this was my favourite from a Spurs perspective, certainly. I thought it was a lovely, quick move. Kane's flick into Kudusevsky. Kudusevsky showing really good composure. It was almost reminiscent of the winner at the Etihad last season in the way that Kudusevsky found himself in space and took his time with all the pressure on in the last minutes of the game and actually picked out the pass. Elio, talk me through that goal. I mean, the most enjoyable thing about that goal for me is that as Kulusevsky begins his run, you can hear him screaming at Davinson Sanchez to pass it to Kane. So (laughs) he's saying Kane, 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 because he knows that if Kane gets the ball, he's going to be through. Did you see his interview about that? He was saying that exact thing in the interview that he was screaming at Davinson to pass to Kane. Yeah. So that goes through. Well done, Sanchez, as well, actually taking the brave pass and actually passing it into a guy who's not in an obvious sort of safe space. And we really should be passing the ball into Kane's feet much more than we do. The guy can deal with the ball when he's marked. And yeah, yeah, quick feet from Kane to put Kulusevski through. And that touch from Kulusevski to to take himself past the defender. Was it it Strauch that he took it past? Or you were probably. Based on the area in the the pitch, it should have been Strauch or Cooper, but Cooper was a bit everywhere, all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Cooper was playing a free role. But that touch to take it round him and then Mm. just sort of put the perfect weight back on it for Bentoncourt. Bentoncourt, did he even kick it or did he just sort of move in? (laughs) Did he just run into the ball to guide it into the net? It was was one of those. Technically, a deflection. He probably didn't even know he was there. (laughs) But no, it it was really good. I think a lot of players in that position would have tried to play it earlier, maybe panicked, maybe maybe tried to just blast it across goal or something. But the fact that he took that extra touch to bring it round, look up and find the time. He's so good at actually keeping his head up. And a lot of wide players, especially young players, just don't do that. Um, he Dave, was the man of the match for me. Yeah, he was uh, we, incredible. We talked about Kudosevsky before and how important he is to us and obviously how he changed the game against, well, he almost changed the game against Liverpool. I know you weren't thrilled about him coming back from injury just in time to face you. Someone like Lucas Moura in that position it could be a very different story, couldn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. He was a difference basically yeah. i mean yes benton mm. got two goals and his finishes were good yes var had a massive assist but ultimately kulisevsky was the reason that you guys won he yeah. was you know he, out, of, out of everyone in your team he's the one person that i'd yeah. have such a shame he's not going to the world cup really isn't it well no i know not see it as a shame i've been taking shots at fraser forster for the next five weeks yeah, maybe in the gym exactly. with harland getting stronger and waiting and biding his time not much to say about the red card second yellow silly trip really unnecessary i almost thought he didn't touch him but i mean it was definitely a wow yellow, wow i mean the ref obviously was against you dave so who knows it could have been but yeah i think it was it was just a silly cynical it, unnecessary it was one of those 
suppose don't you just if you're on a booking, don't make yeah, that don't change. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, it was the player that should have been sent off was Rocker. His studs into Dyer at pace, like his foot goes mm. right up and then right down onto Dyer's leg. It's completely out of control. Have you I seen missed, this? I've not seen. I don't think I, I saw. I don't know that when this you. was. It was really high speed. They're both going for the ball, but Rocker, his his leg goes right up and right down, studs right into Dyer's shins. It's it it was a potential. It mm. was it could have been a nasty one. I don't mm. think it was deliberate, but I do think it was wild. Yeah. he got a yellow for it, but it was um, yeah, it was a nasty one. And Dyer, for all the criticisms that we can level at him, and there are many at the moment, uh, is not the sort of player to sort of roll around and pretend to be hurt. So when he stayed down, you yeah. knew it was um, you knew that something had happened. Absolutely. Well, the game certainly did not disappoint from an entertainment perspective. But Dave, with the result not being what you wanted, do you feel hard done by it? Or do you think the better team won that game? I don't think either set of fans would have been able to complain if it had been a draw. Yeah, I think that's fair. But ultimately, we were on the ropes by the end of it. And you guys finish us off and you've got the players to be able to do that. And that's the difference between a top side and a side who wants to be a top side. Ultimately, you know, we were, we were yeah. scrambling to work out what we can do off the bench and you had the players to make the difference. And Absolutely. by the way, speak of the bench, Basuma came on and did make a difference in my yeah. opinion. I think I think both Benton mm. Coors goals were after Basuma came on and it was from Basuma coming on and us having that advantage in midfield that we actually were able to control the match a little bit better than we had done to that point. So yeah, benches are very, very important these days with the five subs and everything like that. <laughs> Good news for Leeds though. You're looking... All right, you're only a couple of points away from mm. the relegation zone, but with a game in hand, you're also only a couple of points away from mid-table. I mean, you win that game in hand. I think you're 12th over Villa. So mm. you should be hopeful of a healthy second half of the season, surely. Yeah. But Dave's yeah, got to stew so. on it for the next four weeks until he gets a chance to get well, those points. I, I, I mean, all, all you can do is look at where you are. And even though I think it's probably quite comparable where we are in terms of the points that we've got this season compared to last, it just feels like we look more dangerous. And the table... Yeah. Proves that because I think I think there's nine teams that have scored more goals than us in the Premier League this season. Yeah, we're just conceding a few too many. I think we're conceding around about two goals a game, but we're scoring almost yeah. two goals a game as well. So as long as we work out some of the kinks, and you know, like we're going to talk about, there's only three Leeds players going to the World Cup. Granted, mm. they're three important players for us, but leaves what about eighty percent of the defense there to do drills yeah. for five weeks. Um, so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully there'll be some improvement there and then we'll take it up a notch as well because cause ultimately, if our defence is a little bit tighter, then I think mid-table is an absolute possibility. And then if that's if, yeah. if we get that, then, well, then let's see if we can take the next step and see if we actually... Mm end up getting bought by the 49ers uh, which is which is kind of on the table <laughs> Red Bull leads uh, no no San Francisco no. San Francisco 49ers already on 44 oh, really? of us so uh, it'll be it'll be the Legion United 49ers you're going to have to support USA in the World Cup at this rate Dave I think you're getting quite a strong well, contingent there no I um, I think, I, I, must I, think admit, I will I, as long as they're not as long as when they're not <laughs> playing England I'll probably will support yeah. the US to be honest no I must admit I didn't watch Leeds thinking these look like relegation candidates I think you look like you're just a couple of minor weeks away from being pretty comfortable this season i don't want to tempt fate or anything like that you but i think did. whenever i've watched you i know yeah but you've you i owe you one of those Dave. you've done this to us so <laughs> many times the amount of times you've told us we'll win comfortably i owed you a couple of those but in all seriousness i think these look like a team that have no right being anywhere near the relegation zone i would think you should be fine elio elite's gonna stay up elite's gonna be top half elite's gonna be <laughs> mid table i think sort of 
10th to 13th, 14th is quite yeah. realistic for them. I will take it. We will see. Well, as for Spurs, we are still in the top four heading into the World Cup, which is a lovely place to be. All the other results didn't all quite go our way, but they've definitely left us in a pretty promising position. And just a few stats here, or a few points of note that I thought you may have seen, but you'll find interesting. And listeners, if you haven't heard these, you you might find them quite eye-opening. Antonio Conte's first 38 games at Tottenham. If you compare with Guardiola's first 38 games at Man City, he actually has one more point than Guardiola did. And he has... 14 more points than Jurgen Klopp did in his first 38 with Liverpool. So I guess the message there is it could be worse. Trust to the manager and let's hope it, it goes in the right direction. Elio, how are you feeling looking at the table heading into the World Cup? Looking at the table, obviously feeling good. Happy to be in the next round of the Champions League. Football could have been better at points, but the fact that we've seemed to have remembered how to attack, I get Kulusevsky fit, um, seemingly, yep. has at least left us in a slightly better state of mind. We're going to have work to do in January, I imagine, but you can't be displeased with this. If you'd given us this league table in this Champions League at the beginning of the season going into the World Cup, 100% we'd have all taken it and been delighted with it. Speaking of transfers, obviously with the World Cup coming up, it's prime time to start scouting and having a look around and seeing who's out there in the market. Elio, if Paratici gave you a call and said, look, I'm really slammed for the next month. I can't go out there and have a look. I can't get to Qatar. I'm sending you, Elio. You know the club. You know what we're looking for. Who are you going to go and keep a, a close eye on? Have you got any, are there any Spurs players or players that have been linked to Spurs in the transfer window that you think will be worth keeping a close eye on in Qatar over the next few weeks? I really wish my international football knowledge um, was <laughs> up scrutiny these days yeah. unfortunately if I'd asked you this five years ago you'd have had a whole list you'd have had a 20 minute feature presentation prepared absolutely um, one team I am a little interested in is the Dutch side and we have yeah. actually been linked tentatively anyway to Denzel Dumfries at Inter so I think, I think he might have had an injury recently but he's a natural right wing back him and also the Leverkusen boy Frimpong given that we are looking at that side of the pitch potentially mm. uh, given the woes we've had there could both be sort of interesting players to look at but Dave mentioned the World Cup's come too early for Crescencio uh, one player that it's been timed perfectly for is the PSV striker Cody Gapko who I've only yeah. seen highlights of him but he looks made for the Premier League he's that sort of rangy mm-hmm fast, powerful, skillful striker that seems to translate well into this division. And all right, you never know with Dutch yeah. players and with Dutch league players, more importantly, you can either get a, a Suarez or a Rude Van Nistelrooy or yeah, a Van Nistelrooy <laughs> or a Vincent Janssen. But he does look very good and I have a feeling that if we want to not run Kane, Richarlison, Kulusevski and Son into the ground, we probably do need to add another because our manager doesn't seem to trust young Lucas Moura and Brian hill too much i'd really like us to be looking at a center back but i really don't know who the good center backs in world football are i kind of watch every team on and off and no center backs ever really seem to impress me anymore i feel like defending is a lot harder than it used to be potentially well there are two center backs who we were linked to in the last window who will be on display of the world cup one who i think we talked about it before earlier he's probably a bit too much on the radar of some of the top top teams now where he'll be a lot of money and that's Josko Gvardiol at Croatia who's very very highly rated and he'll be starting for them the other one is the Ecuador centre-back Hincapi who I think we were linked to who's apparently a very good player I can't remember where he plays 
I'm hoping one of you can jump in and save me, but he's going to be starting for, <laughs> for Ecuador at the World Cup. So that could be an interesting one. Um, um, but yeah, Dumfries certainly is somebody that I remember the Euros you were really impressed with. And I remember you saying back then that we should sign him because he looked really exciting going forward, didn't he? Well, I'm sure there are going to be lots of exciting players to keep an eye on. And there's always one or two that jump out and surprise everyone that you've never heard of, a couple of breakthrough stars. And they normally get signed up by someone big and then end up being a flop. So let's see what happens there. I mean, there's a young American guy going to the World Cup had a very good game against oh, us yeah, recently leaves, as well. Is it, <laughs> is it Aronson? There's another Aronson, one actually. I th- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, yeah, there's a few decent players in the US squad. I think Aronson, yes. Weston McKenney is... Uh, That's someone name, we've been linked to. That, that, that you've been linked to, and I think Leeds Le- yeah. obviously have been linked to because he's American. Of course. Uh, Going to be like Portugal and Wolves. Oh, yeah, indeed. And the other two, I guess, are Gio Reyna at Dortmund and Pulisic, who is just not getting that much of a look in at Chelsea. Yeah. And there's definitely a player there, and he's still only 24, I think. Pulisic is a really good player. I can't see Chelsea selling to us, but I do like him. He always looks dangerous, in my opinion. How are they going to fund um, the Ronaldo purchase if they don't quite. sell? <laughs> exactly. I think McKenny, a bit more of what we already have would be my worry there, but he is... Yeah. I mean, we've done well out of Juventus recently, so third time <laughs> is a charm, I guess, but... Yeah. Well, there are going to be a lot of players out there in the shop window for us to look at. But of course, there are going to be a lot of our existing crop of players representing Spurs out there in Qatar. Um, I took it upon myself to do a little bit of maths now uh, to kind of paraphrase Pricey from last week. A little known fact about me for you uh, listeners out there is that I'm a bit of a nerd. Well, actually, that is not the little known fact. The little known fact is that I studied statistics in my A-levels and I, I like to do some calculations occasionally because I'm a bit of a math geek. And I decided using the odds provided by William Hill, which is, is not a paid promotion. I don't get any money from William Hill, whether it's for my bets or for a sponsorship. Um, they gave me the odds <laughs> and I've decided to use those odds to calculate the probability of a Spurs player getting his hands on the World Cup trophy this winter in Qatar. Any guesses how likely, in a percentage basis, how likely it is, according to the odds, that a Spurs player is world champion by the end of the World Cup? We've got... (laughs) We've got some big nations covered. We've got some big nations covered. We've got England. Brazil, Argentina, England and France, so right off the bat, is pretty good going. Yeah. All right. I I think we don't need to say too much about Wales. Then we've got Denmark, Wales, Croatia... Uruguay Apologies and South Korea. to all Welsh listeners if there are any. Um, hey, they went on a run at the Euros all that time ago, you know. How Robson can That's true. Who knows? Uruguay isn't the worst shout either as a dark horse for the World Cup. Nah. I mean, they've, they've got some tasty players in there. Let's see if yeah. Darwin Nunez can score or not. But um, mm. What's the likelihood, statistically, of a Spurs player being world champion? Dave, what would you say it is? I don't know, 25%. No, you're way off. It's 72.5%. It's more likely than not that a Spurs player will be world champion. When you consider that the three top nations by far are Brazil, France and Argentina, and we have representatives in both, the chances are very, very strong. Um, If I were to ask you the same question for Leeds, Dave, what would you say are the chances of a Leeds player being world champion by the end of December? Uh, In percentage form. 0.5%. Oh, it's actually 5%. So, uh, yeah, you're not not a million miles off, but yeah, 5%. Well, you just managed to make your first statistic bollocks with your second statistic 
because there is no chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is that. In reality, there yeah. is probably zero gonna, chance. Gonna this is, this is just extrapolating the odds into some kind of percentage. But anyway, the point is, Spurs are very well represented. And this might be one of the worst stats since the hope racing, but I liked it. So I thought it was quite interesting. And then the point is, Spurs are very well represented at this World Cup. And we've got a lot of players playing for big teams that are likely to go quite deep into the tournament. So I thought it would just be fun with some rather large inverted commas around the word fun to go through team by team. We'll go through group by group and look at the players that we actually have playing at the World Cup and how we think they're going to do. And I'm going to ask you guys just to tell me how many goals you think each player is going to score at the World Cup. And we can keep the running tally. And at the end of the World Cup, we can see how close we all were to how many goals Spurs players are going to score at the World Cup. But each player, let us at least talk about how they're going to fit into their team, how their team's going to do and anything about them. So starting out with Group A, we've only got one representative in that group. And that is young Papi Matassar at Senegal, who I understand stand is actually likely to get some game time and may actually start in a midfield three with, I think, Idrissi Gay and Mendy. Um, Elio, what can we expect from Saar? Because he's a player we've not really had a chance to see much of. What sort of player is he? What would you say is the kind of archetype, the ultimate version of him? What sort of player would he aspire to be? I, from what I you honestly know, from your YouTube you. I mean, scouting. <laughs> I mean, no, I did try and find a couple of Mets matches when he was on loan, but he didn't always yeah. play either. So Is it, it box it to box? Easy. Is he... Well, that's the thing. He's be- he was used almost as sort of a, a fancy James Milner by then. He was sort of played <laughs> front out wide in midfield. He was sort of used in a variety of different positions. He looks like he's quite an athletic player and he looks like he's quite rangy. But beyond that, seems to have a good touch about him and a bit of skill on him but he's a 19 year old that I've seen very very little of and I couldn't tell you too much his reputation is as a potential sort of skillful player playmaker central midfielder but yeah who knows? I think I'll probably see more of him at this World Cup if I bother to watch Senegal than yeah. I have before. Well, I think speaking of dark horses, I think Senegal are one of the teams that have been, maybe it's harsh to call them a dark horse considering they are the African champions and they've obviously got some really good well-known players. But I think it's safe to say that they are expected to get out of the group along with the Netherlands. Dave, how far do you see Senegal going? Because they could actually have England as a second round opponent. Do you think that they're a team to watch out for? I mean, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they're a really strong side. They have yeah. a lot of experience in their team. Uh, yeah. The obvious one the being big games. Koulibaly and Mane, who have, yeah. you know, performed at the top level for a long time. And that's, you know, well, two thirds of the spine of a team. And then you've got mm. very, very capable players in, well, Gay from Everton, Gay from Marseille, even Czech Coyote, yeah. you know, who's, who's yeah, been, yeah. Who's, you know, been well. around, been around in the, um, Premier League was at Palace, now is at Forest. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I see. I see no reason why they can't bloody some noses. And I think you know a yeah. lot of a lot of people have been fancying Senegal. And to be honest, it's understandable because that group is is. Fairly you fancy big. them to get through yeah. as one of them, and, and probably in second, in which case they would play England. I'd be a bit worried if England were playing Senegal. I don't want to assume England are going to get out of the group, but if they did, <laughs> uh, I think Senegal could definitely be a worrying match for sure. While we're on Saar, do we expect him to get any goals? Are we going to predict Elio? Do you think he'll nip him with a goal? I think he will score zero goals. He will score zero goals. Do you expect him to play at least? Do you think he's going to get a few games? I hope he does. It would be nice to yeah. see him. Let's see. I don't know if I'm right on this, but I suspect that he is in their first team plans. Dave, what are you going for for Saar? Zero goals as well? Dave, gonna... had you heard of Pape Saar until this <laughs> conversation? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, if had, you I had because I'd seen your long list of players um, mm. because we had to do some research. Oh, so you heard about him an hour ago. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
Fair enough. I think he'll score a goal. You think he will? Okay, I'm going to give you that. I'm, I'm going to go with a zero as well. I'm going to match Elio on that one. So a slightly more familiar players, a slightly more familiar team. The next group is Group B, which is England's group. Of course, we've got two players in the World Cup squad. One who is a certainty to start up front, being Harry Kane. The other one, Eric Dyer, who has hit bad form at the worst possible time for England fans. But I guess the real question is, do you expect Dyer is actually going to start for England? And how much of that comes down to the formation? Dave, if you had to call it against Iran, do you see Dyer starting out for the England team? Yes. Interesting. Elio, do you see Dyer being on the team sheet for that first game? Not do, yeah, you, not do you think he should be, but would you expect him to be? I expect him to be because if you look at all the centre-backs taken, mm. there's none that you particularly trust. So I think Southgate knows Dyer and he likes Dyer. That's why the second he hit any kind of form, he got a recall ahead of maybe more deserving players and I think Southgate especially if he plays with a back three I see Dyer being in there I think it would have to be a back three personally I think if he does go for a back four I can see it being Stones and Maguire despite Maguire having had horror season I just think that Southgate he's a creature of habit isn't he and you can see him just picking those two but if it's three you'd like to think Dyer would be the third choice one way or another so let's see obviously depending on how far they go into the tournament is Dyer going to get a goal for England in this tournament is he going to pop up at the back post with a header a crucial winner yeah Dave Dave you're giving Dyer a goal definitely you're giving Dyer a goal are you I think think he's getting one maybe even in the first game (laughs) yeah okay I like that Elio Spirit of Via Elio you're giving Dyer a goal I'll give Dyer a goal yeah I don't think he's going to get that many starts but I've just got a feeling about it I'm giving him a goal as well we're all giving Dyer a goal this is bold a man who you would expect is likely to get a goal and hopefully more than one is Harry Kane let's talk about him for a bit because he will barring injury definitely be starting every game and every minute for England Elio do you see his role in England being pretty much the same as it is at Spurs do you think he'll be dropping deep into that midfield assuming they don't have a number 10 and kind of playing those balls in behind do you think we'll see a slightly more attacking version of Harry Kane what do you expect from him at this Um, World Cup I think it very much depends on who's playing up front with Harry Kane. I think if he's played together with Foden and Sterling, for instance, if it's sort of both of those who are maybe more naturally creative players, then I think Harry Kane will stay further up. I think if Rashford ends up playing, because Rashford's another Southgate favourite, then you'll see Kane dropping deeper and playing the sorts of balls that we see him play to Son. Kane, I mean, I've got a sneaking suspicion Rashford will play as well. And Kane and Rashford have actually had a really good chemistry in the past. So Mm. it depends what the front line is. I'd like to see Kane just stuck up top, but I think England, like Spurs, lack any genuine midfield creativity and that may push him back into midfield. At the risk of turning this into an England podcast, I know we said we weren't going to get into too much detail about the World Cup. Dave, who do you think would get the best out of Kane playing alongside him in that front three? Son and Kulisevsky. (laughs) (laughs) well Kudasemski's not doing anything we could try and borrow him exactly and Haaland for that matter uh, yeah we'll get him all in there Um, who's the closest to Kudasemski is it Foden is it Saka I don't think it's Foden or is it Madison? Is it someone like Madison who's been playing on the right no, side? Of the I, I think I think it's probably. I, I would say it's probably. It might be Saka and Grealish, to be honest. Yeah. I feel like they're the ones that are the, the most likely to worry more than one person on one side of the box, creating yeah. space in the middle. Okay. But I feel like that might be Plan B. I think I'm with Elliot. Yeah. I think it's probably going to be a, a combination of Rashford, Sterling, and Ferd, and two of those three with Kane to start yeah. with, and then Grealish and Saka are a special team. Yeah. 
Uh, we, we'll see. We'll see. Well, the, the important question is, Dave, and this is intrinsically linked to how far England are going to get in the competition in a group with USA, Iran and Wales, a potential second round tie with either Holland or Senegal, and then a likely clash in the quarterfinals should they get there with France, bear in mind. How far are England going to get? And in the course of them getting there, how many goals is Harry Kane going to score? That's the big question. Um, you see us going to the second round at least, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think we should. And to be honest, I think we should be too much for Senegal or Netherlands in that round. And I think it'll be nice. Mm. I don't think France are going to get to the quarterfinals. Um, really? So I think okay. I think we'll get to the I think we will get to the quarterfinals, maybe even the semis. And I think okay. Kane will score six goals. Six goals. Okay. I think. I think. I think he might. I want us to start with a bang, and I want us to beat Iran four 0 and I want Kane to score some goals. Elio, Kane's in good goal scoring form for Spurs. Is he going to carry it on for England? I think he will. I think this World Cup has come at a really bad time for so many teams and players, but it's come at a brilliant time for Harry Kane, which is great news for England. Um, mm. Every other international tournament, even when he scored goals, Kane's looked a bit leggy and a bit tired from the off, in my opinion. But right now, he's absolutely in his rhythm. He's getting goals. And I think if England do get as far as the quarters, Dave's right, we could see a really good haul from him. I'm going to be a bit more conservative just because I never sort of underestimate England's ability to (laughs) disappoint us all. And I'm going to go with probably, I'll say he'll get four. Four. So it's still a good haul, but maybe not a great haul, okay. which will be enough to have him comfortably England's top all-time scorer. Three penalties and a tap-in. <laughs> I think England might do okay and they might squeeze their way to a quarterfinal. I don't think they're going to be in many very high-scoring games. and I think there might be the odd one-nils and I don't know if necessarily those goals will be Harry Kane. I'm going to be even more conservative. I'm going to give him three. Sorry if I'm a traitor to Spurs by saying <laughs> that, but I'm, I'm playing it safe just because I think England's goals might come from the wide players with Kane dropping down a bit. I think they're going to be very closely contested matches, but I am happy to be proven emphatically wrong by that. Um, moving on to the next team in Group B, which is Wales. And we have a couple of familiar faces here from days gone by, obviously in Gareth Bale, but we have two technically current Spurs players, one on loan, one being Davies, of course, and the other being Rodon, who will form two of a back three for Wales most likely along with I think Ampadu what do you think of Wales Dave because as we mentioned earlier they've gone on runs they've got talents do you think that they could be a threat to England are you going to be worried when we play them always there's a lot I of mean, magic on that pitch there's, isn't a there? le- there's a little bit of an all bets are off when it's a home nation derby I guess is the word and they absolutely do have players who can perform and do things that doesn't make sense that they're doing because maybe you saw them do that five years ago, but you haven't yeah. seen them do it in the last five years. I mean, I'm looking at this team and I'm seeing Joe Allen, who still plays for Swansea. I'm seeing that, Johnny that's Williams, incredible that he's in the team. Swindon. I'm seeing Aaron Ramsey, yeah. who's not exactly pulling up trees in the yeah. south of France. And I have absolutely no doubt that it will be 2014 again. As soon as they come out onto the pitch against England, I think it'll just be an absolute... <laughs> I, I think it'll be one of the best games as well, to be honest, I, I think because I think they'll both want to yeah. knock each other out. And I think it'll be a World Cup classic. Unfortunately, that means that I think there'll probably be a fair few goals in it, which doesn't bode particularly well for the fact that the two Spurs players are playing for Wales are in defence. <laughs> I think we will see a lot of counter-attacks in that game, particularly from Wales. From what I understand, that's a lot of how their game is based with the pace up front, for sure. Elio, here's a question for you. Would Ben Davies get into the England defence? Would you put him in a back three? No. Um, put him ahead I mean, of Assuming Maguire would be the, the left side in a back three, but considering who else there is on offer of the squad that Southgate's picked, would you put him in? Um, 
I'd be tempted to do it myself. It, it's I think that's because you're a Spurs yeah. fan. Thanks. It might be, Dave. You never know. But I like <laughs> to think I'm completely impartial. Uh, <laughs> I think Ben Davies is very good at what he does for us with mm. a very sort of explicit set of instructions from Antonio Conte. I think he's a solid player. If he's getting into the England side, then England aren't winning any tournaments. Wow. But okay. you could say that's about the defenders. The actual England well, defence. So. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's pretty much universally accepted that that's England's weak spot, isn't it? What about Rodon, though? Because, I mean, it's interesting to see with him because I think we talked about him before and I think there's a sense that his chance has come and gone. Are you going to be keeping an eye on Rodon? Is it just a case of wanting him to do well or is there any part of you still hoping that if he pulls out a couple of good performances, you might think, you know what, maybe we could find a future for this guy? I don't think he'll get a go at Spurs. I think he's yeah. he's the chances gone not as young. Me. He's not as young as we think he is um, no. for a start. And I think, I mean, I personally like him. I wanted him to get a chance. You know that, but I don't think it's going to happen. I hope he has a good tournament. I think he's had a decent time of it in France as well. And it would be good if it could attract some bidders so that we could get a player the manager actually wants. Of course, I'll pay attention to him. I mean, yeah. I, I pay attention to ex-Spurs players, never mind current Spurs learning. Yeah. I was following Nicky Barmby's career through thick and thin till the day he retired <laughs> yeah. and various others as well. I think we'd be here all day if we we're looking at ex-Spurs players because there's a fair few of them on the show as well and quite a few well, yeah. uh, prominent so, ones as well. So yeah. no, I'll definitely keep a lookout for Rodon and yeah. um, I hope he has a good tournament. Is Rodon or Davies going to get a goal in the World Cup? Are you going to give either of them a goal? I mean, Davies scored in the game against Leeds just now, so... Yeah, but Melia isn't, isn't in goal for France, so... No, they've got no, an even worse keeper. There's no, there's, no, there's no goalkeepers <laughs> hit it against. <laughs> oh, okay, we're, are we not giving either of them a goal? We're not going to no, do that? No, okay. Fair enough. That's a big zero on both of those then. Moving on to a team who one suspects will have a better shot at winning the trophy than Wales, with all due respect, is Argentina in Group C. We mentioned that we don't have Celso representing us there because unfortunately he has been ruled out of the tournament. But we do have a crucial player for them in Christian Romero, who was a big part of their Copa America win as well. Playing in a back four, which is going to be interesting to see. Elio, is there a small part of you keen to watch Romero in a back four and just thinking that it might give Conte some ideas? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ever so slightly but it won't give it Conte any ideas no. he's a stubborn old goat I am curious to see if Romero makes the first match for Argentina given how long he's been injured yeah. for us well I mean I think the three they will generally choose between are Romero Lissandro Martinez and believe it or not Otamendi seems to get a lot of games for them even now so it'll be interesting to see but I think he will definitely play at some point and I think he's a key player for them um, interesting to see Argentina with a defence isn't it Dave because I think there's always the running joke every World Cup every time it rolled around of just Argentina being that Lamborghini at the front with the Skoda at the back and they just they've actually got a really nicely balanced almost unglamorous midfield and obviously, you know, incredible attack as always. And, and Lionel Messi gives them the chance. How far can they go in this tournament? They can win it. They can win it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, mm. I think I think if I was to put money, if I was to have to gun to my head to put money on one Spurs player lifting the World Cup, it would be Christian Romero. It'd be Romero. Interesting. Big call. Big call. Elio, I, I know you've got a fractious relationship with the England team at times. I know you're not the biggest supporter of Gareth Southgate's methods. And I think your your England support, sometimes it's fair to say, hinges on the amount of Spurs representation that they have. But correct me if I'm wrong. Am I fair to say that you will be first and foremost supporting England at this World Cup? Yeah. 
I'll and still be disappointed, I imagine, with... It's um, <laughs> choice of players and negative tactics, yeah? I mean, five yeah. right-backs. He's, <laughs> he's incredible. It really is. My follow-up question, what I was leading to, was if you take England out of the equation and the fact that obviously there are no Greek teams being represented at this World Cup, are Argentina your second team? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see Messi win the yeah. World Cup. I feel like yeah, to agree they're everyone's second team. Yeah, I think they're kind of everyone's second team. I think everyone who who isn't a staunch Ronaldo enthusiast and wants to see Messi fail for only that reason probably wants to see Argentina win it. Where do you rank them among the favourites? Um, my mind always just goes straight to France just because they've essentially got two yeah. top-class sides at any given time. And when you look at the players France don't take it, it becomes even more alarming quite how great their conveyor belt of talent is is brazil look really really strong as you've alluded to as well but mm. i think argentina probably second or thirds i think that's fair to say yeah i think the bookies would agree with you there more importantly however is romero going to get a goal on course to the final are we giving him one um, i am gonna say no <laughs> he doesn't get many does he okay i think that's a wipeout from all of us we're not giving romero any goals a man who i expect probably will not get any goals but has a very strong chance of lifting the trophy is of course hugo Lloris, looking to do so for the second time you talked about france a second ago dave are you one of these believers in the curse of the champions because uh, i know you mentioned earlier you don't see france going that far into the competition what's made you think that is it hugo Lloris? <laughs> um is it just a superstition not, thing, Dave? Sure. Is it I'm just the sure champion's why. curse I, I, throwing you off? There may be an element of the champion's curse, to be honest, that, that, <laughs> I'm, that, that, I'm, that I'm focused on. But I yeah. don't know. I just eh. They've not I been think, in great form, from what I understand. No, much they like haven't. England. And, and, and I also think there's a very average midfield in there. And I say average midfield because mm. I think basically Real Madrid have got their midfield for the next 10 years yeah. in uh, it's a very young and Germani. But it's young and it's had zero top. Yeah. It's a wonder kid midfield, basically. Yeah, exactly. And you don't yeah. want anything with kids, someone once said. Um, <laughs> someone uh, but, but yeah, maybe it's that. Maybe it's the fact that yeah. Rabiot's in the squad, which makes me constantly mm. nervous. I don't know. Maybe it is a race. Maybe I just think, you know, they're, they're fools for not picking <laughs> Melier. I mean, horse. four years ago, he made a howler in the final. So God knows what he's going to do mean, this time, right? After some he, of the things he's, he's done for so us. He's so lucky. He's so lucky he did that. <laughs> and they absolutely battered Croatia. Imagine if that had been, been the decisive been the most defining goal. moment of his career. My God. Oh yeah, it would have been his carriest moment. Yeah. Well, it's worse. It would have been. It would have been the worst. Yeah. Oh yeah. Obviously, ever made by a goalkeeper. It would have been. It's an interesting point about the midfield, and I know what you mean because you think back to that France team that won the World Cup and, and obviously has been so dominant, and a big part of it is that Pogba Kante midfield, which is no longer going to be the mm. case. But Elio, you could probably do worse than Chouameni and Kamavinga as a midfield, right? I mean, it's like you said, it's sort of their midfields of the future. It's, yeah. um, I mean, if it's, Bellingham can start for England, he's even younger than those two, isn't he? And no one's complaining about him being there. I think not so much the selections, but just generally the tactics employed by the Shubs. He's got all this attacking mm. talent yeah. and he seems to play such defensive football yeah. with them. And it's really, really frustrating to watch. Like and France and the team you just want to see go to. Yeah. It shouldn't have to be defensive because look at their defender <laughs> roster. Lucas Hernandez, Theo, yeah. Theo Hernandez, Kimpembe, and they Kanate, play back five as well, Kunde, the Pavard, Saliba, Upamagana, yeah, and yeah. Varane. He Kimpembe didn't make it today. He could play four or five of them and just say, yeah. in the words of Laurie McMenemy, do what you do for your clubs. 
<laughs> yeah. and it'll be fine exactly but the thing is they did win the last world cup and they were good at the last world cup and i think the thing with Deschamps is the reason i am quite defensive of southgate and i know it's not fun to watch sometimes but i think pragmatic arguably boring football wins tournaments and i know that's not what people want to hear but i think Deschamps winning the way he did is partly because he doesn't really try to exploit the attacking talents that he's got and actually plays quite a balanced reserved approach Anyway, I know that offends every fibre of your football fan being, doesn't it? If we had the team that France did and we were playing as defensive as Deschamps does, you would be calling for his head, wouldn't you? I mean, look at the forwards they have to choose from. I mean, they've got Giroud, Dembele, Griezmann, Benzema, Mbappe, yeah. and Kunku, and Koeman all going yeah. to this World Cup. And, <laughs> and he can only pick three, the, maybe four at a push. And, and they're going to set up to, to spoil. And it's just... It's not what you want to see. You want to watch a festival of football at the World Cup, not Mourinho versus Andre Villas-Boas football. <laughs> and it's just, it's just. Uh, I hope I'm wrong and they turn it on. They have the ability yeah. to. Their first World Cup winning side obviously did, but I, I really, really am prepared to be disappointed. The other thing with the French team is that there's always the potential for a dressing room implosion with the French. <laughs> they absolutely love a fallout at a major. Uh, tournament and they've got some spiky characters in there Adrian Rabio being one of them who's a poor footballer anyway I don't know how he's getting in the squads I don't know if he's taken his mum with him either or not because obviously um, that's a bit of a soap opera but you've got people like him you've got people like Dembele and Mbappe who are quite known for sort of being um, yeah. let's say a little being a bit Ronaldo. Uh, <laughs> a bit egotistical yeah. yeah you've got sort of you've got a real kind of pressure cooker there and it, yeah. it would be fun if there were some fireworks coming out of that and we we got stories yeah. of a big fallout on the eve of the world cup and then we get the Mbappe interview with Piers Morgan and when he comes back that would be fun won't it yeah. uh the next team on the list is in the same group as France actually which is interesting and that's Denmark of which we have one notable ex-player in Christian Eriksen and of course we have Pierre-Emil Hoiberg who has had a great season is very crucial to what they do I've heard the term dark horses being used about Denmark I feel like everyone is a dark horse in this tournament <laughs> but they obviously did really well at the Euros as England found out and they're one of these teams that seems to play better than the sum of their parts Dave can you see Denmark going on a bit of a run and how crucial is Hoiberg going to be for them um, they'll definitely get to the second round um, you think so and, and I think Hoiberg will be very influential for them yeah I think he'll start I think he'll play and I think they'll need him to perform so to let the uh was it front four that they have? So mm. three and the one up top do what they've got to do. So yeah, I think he's a vital player for them. And I think Denmark will perform admirably and maybe even make it to the court. Yeah. Can you see Hoiberg popping up with another goal? Because he's had a few this season. Are you going to give him one in our well, predictions? He's a goal machine, as we all know. <laughs> he, is, um, he is. If he comes up against any Leeds players as well. Yeah, they get USA in the second Him and Bensinka, you'd be worried. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm, I'm going to say no. I think his role will be different for Denmark. I think it'll be a, a lot more conservative and letting everybody else do their thing. You say that, but maybe things have changed. But I, I remember from the Euros and previously when I've seen Denmark play, I think Hoiberg actually has a bit more creative license. I think he gets forward a bit more for Denmark, which I'm quite interested to see, unless I'm completely wide of the mark there. I think you look at the Danish midfield and with the exception of Eriksen, they're all sort of relatively kind of industrial players. Hoiberg, mm. Thomas Delaney, Matthias Jensen, who's at Brentford, isn't he? And uh, I think yeah. you're probably expecting them to be 
very hard working, put the yards in, really kind of fight for every blade of grass. But at the same time, Danish players all tend to be fairly comfortable on the ball as well. They've got that fairly good football education behind them as well. So I think Hoiberg is probably just going to be a cog in the wheel because I think they all are in that side with the exception of Ericsson, who they give the ball to and say, do something beautiful and hopefully yeah. he will. Yeah, and I hope uh, I hope he has a good tournament because after what happened at the last tournament, no one deserves to have their moment more than him. Well, I don't know about you, Elio, but I'm going to give him at least one goal. I've got a feeling with Hoiberg because he, he's finding a scoring touch. I'm going to give him one goal. Are you going to predict a goal for Pierre? Or is that a I think Pierre goal? will get a goal. You think we'll get, think a we'll get a goal? We'll give him a goal yeah, then, yeah. shall we? Here we go. Um, <laughs> skipping over Group E, which is actually the only group, would you believe, in the whole World Cup in which we do not have any participants, to Group F. And a team who have obviously done quite well, having reached the final at the last one in Croatia. They're a team that I've heard written off by quite a lot of people. I think there's a sense that there's a, a golden generation that's been and gone, much like Belgium. It feels like maybe this core of players is a little bit too old, but I would write them off at my peril personally. And I think Modric is arguably as good as he's ever been. And the same can be said about quite a lot of their players. Um, interestingly, though, Elio Perisic plays probably more of an attacking role for Croatia, which he has done for most of his career. And he is a proper forward, much like we've seen him played in the last last few Spurs games. What do you expect from them and from Perisic? Croatia, since as far as I can remember, since uh, Euro 96, have always been that sort of little nation that plays far better football than you'd expect from such yeah. a tiny country and and has always produced sort of really memorable players going all the way back to Davos Suka, obviously, and Boban and the likes. And, yeah. and I've, I've always enjoyed the creations we've had at Spurs, Modric, obviously, Kranchar, Perisic now, Charlie as well, Vedran Luka. So I yeah. really... I really always expect them to do something. I'd be surprised if they failed to get to the knockouts. I'd I'd be really surprised. Um, I think Croatia have a lot of good players and I think they'll perform well. As for Perisic, he's he's made for international football because he's Mm. just experience clever and he's output 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 um i'm not sure we'll see him get a goal but i'm i'm certain he'll make a goal or two like you say he plays a more attacking role for them so maybe he will but i'm gonna go with no goals for perisic interesting it's an interesting group because belgium are in their group as well and then mm. canada i think are again uh, a lot of football people put them as a dark horse to get out of the group because they they top their albeit not particularly strong qualifying group but they've got a few mm. exciting young players and they're on really really good form and then morocco they first of all do you think even paris do you think this is the tournament where he snaps and goes falls it down and headbutts someone because i know you've been <laughs> waiting for it to happen and, and how's he going to cope without his free kick coach uh well obviously he's going to take all of the experience that he's had uh, and bring it with him and uh, revolutionize, a lot of revolutionize the corner at the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, come on, Canada. Canada haven't got anything on Croatia. Belgium, Belgium are Belgium. I think they'll either come first or second in this group. I don't think Morocco are going to trouble them either. But I think yeah. their last 16 is as far as I'll go. Interesting. Well, may I remind you, the last World Cup match that Ivan Perisic played was the World Cup final, and he scored in that match as mm. well, if I'm not mistaken. I so think, well, uh, he's, I, I he's definitely not with, shy of a goal or two. I disagree with Elliot. I do think he, he might get a couple, because I think there's going to be goals in, the, in, the, in that group. Yeah, okay. Interesting. I'm going to give him... Yeah, I'm, I'm actually... I'm going to give him two goals. I've got to, I think he's going to play quite attacking. Yeah, I want to go with that. 
I'm gonna go with that. All right, Dave. You know what? No, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take a goal off him just because you said that. I'm gonna say one. I'm gonna say one goal. Um, this is an interesting one because this is a player that I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily expect to be an important part of this team's plans. But the next one on the list is Group G, and that's Brazil, and that is of course Richarlison, who, considering the incredible array of attacking talent Brazil have, and for someone who has not really been a regular first team for us, he's very important to the way Brazil play, and he's one of the first names on the team sheet. First of all, Dave. Dave, would you make Brazil number one favourites for the tournament the way the bookies have? Do you think that they deserve that tag? No, but I do think that they're not heavy favourites, but they're they're well fancies for a reason. I think yeah. I think they'll 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 be in the final four definitely. I still fancy Argentina over them because I just think their squad yeah. is a bit more balanced all front to back. The defence is one well, I mean, it's, one injury away. It feels like it's one injury away from being really bad, to be honest. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, it gets it gets a little bit better in the, in the midfield, but then but then obviously you've got the forwards, and there's just mm. it's just a ridiculous embarrassment of riches. I mean, I don't think. Yeah, I'm not convinced Richarlison will get a minute. Well, this is the thing. If you read out the names and you, you just look at some of the players that play regularly for their teams and how well regarded they are in world football, it is quite surprising with all respect to Richarlison, who I obviously rate a lot. Why do you think that is, Elliot? What do you think it is that gives Richarlison the edge over maybe some of the more celebrated names in that Brazil team? I think he's the most physical forward they have. And yeah. they almost use him the way... I mean, he scores goals for them as well, by the way. But they almost use him the way Liverpool use... Firmino as a mm. as a foil for those, yeah. I guess, more flairful players. I mean, who's not going? By the way, Firmino, he didn't make the cut. Oh, I mean, they've taken yeah. Richarlison because he's been their first choice. They've taken Gabriel Jesus because he deserves it. So someone had to miss out at the end of the day. I think Richarlison's record's pretty decent. I think he's almost one in two for them, which yeah. is not terrible. But at the end of the day, you can't play an attack of just all the the flair players and not have yeah. anyone do any kind of the dirty work for. Them. it would be very very kind of light as much as we all remember those great brazil players from when we were younger uh, I, yeah. I don't think you can play martinelli and vinicius jr and neymar all up front together yeah. and someone needs and to press exp- and someone needs to pass the ball as well um but <laughs> I, th- I think by putting richards in there it gives them all a foil to play around um mm. i mean even the obviously the wonderful Brazil side from the end of the 90s and beginning of the noughties that we saw. I mean, yeah, it had Rivaldo, Ronaldinho and Ronaldo. Ronaldo was a unit and Rivaldo yeah. wasn't exactly small either, even if he was a bit mm. of a... He was a good six foot one, wasn't he? So, yeah, yeah he was and, a big, guy. big boy. Mm. And Ronaldinho and, for that matter. Yeah, I mean, Ronaldinho he's wasn't a small. slight item. Mm. So I think, I think that's what gets Richarlison in and I expect Richarlison to get, I'd say... Three goals? Ooh. I mean, to be fair, you'd expect Brazil to play at least five, maybe six or seven games. So yeah, that, that's, that's that's bold, but I don't think it's ridiculous to suggest. Dave, what do you think? Are you going to give Richardson any goals? Dave wasn't going to give Richardson well, a minute. Clarify, you weren't even going to give him a start, were you? When I did say a minute, I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I said that all wrong. <laughs> Basically, what I meant was looking at the riches that they have, Yeah, you could understand it if you think they, that he wouldn't play at all, but he does. And he scores yeah, goals yeah. for them. And and I totally agree with what you said, Elio, in terms of the, that kind of Firmino foil for the more creative players around him. So I think he'll get goals. Yeah. I, I'm i going to say four. I'm going to say one more than that. Ooh. 
Four. You know what? I was thinking of a high number there. I've got a feeling because I, I know Neymar tends to kind of float in the channels and play more of a playmaker, but he's obviously getting, he's the top scorer in, in the gun as well. So it's hard to know which one, if he's going to play more more advanced or, or not. But I can see Richardson getting a few and I reckon he'll play. I think he'll start every game they play and maybe maybe stay on the pitch for quite a while. I'm going to go with three as well for Richardson. Moving on to the final group in which we have representation. We have two players in Group H for two different teams. And the first one I want to talk about is Sonny, who hopefully, if his face heals up in time, will get a a few games. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be ready to start first game for them. I don't know if either of you have heard any news on that, but I think either way, he's probably going to be wearing a a Harry Kane-style mask, Harry Kane versus Arsenal-style mask. Obviously, hugely important player for them. Do you think this is the kind of thing that Son needs to find his form again, being the talisman, being the main guy? Do you think he's going to be the Son we know and love? Or would you be a bit worried if you were a South Korea fan right now? I mean, Son is the opposite of Kane going into this in that he's been off form all season. He's not been in the Mm -hmm. goals other than the few that he bagged against Leicester. And he's also just picked up a really sort of nasty injury. I mean, if we thought Son didn't go for headers before, then he's definitely not Mm going to go for them now. And he's also playing for one of the weaker sides at the tournament. So They'd do well to get out of the group, wouldn't they? I wouldn't expect him to get more than one or two, I think. I, I, I think... Yeah, I think two would be kind of a... He'd get two during the group stages in sort of goal-scoring defeats, essentially. But yeah. but I think if you put him in one of the better sides, then you can yeah. attribute higher numbers to him. But I just don't think he's going to get it. I think he's going to play at most three matches, and that's assuming yeah. he gets fit in time. Maybe even just the two, yeah. And that's probably where his tournament will end, you'd, you'd imagine. Um, I just have this feeling, I'm convinced that Son's going to score a beautiful free kick. And once again, we're going to be left wondering why Harry Kane takes all of our free kicks. Then he'll come back and he'll take one and it'll be rubbish. <laughs> um, Dave, how's Son going to do at the World Cup? I think he's going to struggle to get a goal. That's a hell of a group. Yeah, I mean that's the. I that would say the that's the group death, where it? where it where the, the where the four teams in it are probably. I, I mean, I haven't checked, but I would I, my guess would be that they're the most evenly ranked, and I think that's going to be a real challenge. I'm not convinced they'll get any goals, and I'm not convinced they'll get any points. Yeah, it's an interesting group. I, I guess you've got the Germany and Spain group, but then you imagine Costa Rica and Japan aren't going to have exactly. too much of a hope in that one. Whereas this one... Yeah, but there'll be one good game in that in that group. Yeah, well, who knows? I mean, it's the World Cup, but uh, yeah, this, there's, there's four very good teams with good good chances of actually putting up, putting off a surprise, but you have to make South Korea the rank outsiders for this group. Are you going to give him a goal? Nah, don't think so. No? Is it a zero? I'm going to give him the one and it's going to be that free kick, but I just <laughs> I, I think his form is too bad. Does I, it take I don't penalties? Know. Will I imagine that. so. I, I only assume he does, but then I've never seen, I don't remember ever seeing Zon take a penalty. I, when would he have done? So maybe not. Maybe there's someone in their team who actually takes penalties for their club. Who knows? Um, and the last man in, in that group, you might have guessed, is Uruguay's Rodrigo Bentancur, a man that you are very familiar with, Dave, having seen him put two goals in against you. And obviously, goal scoring is not the main facet of his game, but we'll get onto that. But we, we touched on it last week, didn't we, about how Uruguay are looking like quite a proposition, especially in that midfield with Valverde on the form of his life and Bentancur suddenly hitting new heights. Elio, are you a bit worried that uh, Fede Valverde is going to convince Bentancur to join Madrid after the World Cup and we're going to have to find a new midfielder? 
<laughs> I don't think Madrid what needs any more midfielders, but no, they, they do have a good side going into this. I think they're going to be a threat. So I think they're definitely getting out of their group. And yeah. can we call I, them dark I horses think, well, for the for the twelfth ma- team in a row? Maybe maybe not such dark horses. Maybe we should actually be just saying Uruguay are good. I mean, we are talking. Maybe about, they're just horses. <laughs> well, yeah, quite. I mean, we are talking about a nation that's won the World Cup twice, albeit um, a hell of a long time ago. I don't think we can count um, that. That's like Spurs saying we've won the league. <laughs> um, well, if it was we, even longer if, if ago count, than that. If we count England's World Cup, why not? Yeah, Uruguay. That's true. I mean, they've obviously got Nunez in there, but they've still got, albeit aging, but they've still got Edison Cavani mm. and Luis Suarez, Luis Suarez going yeah. as well. They've got some really good midfielders in there. They've got Torreira, Benton, Corval, Verde. Yeah. They've got Araujo oh, in defence as well, who's been very good yeah. for Barcelona. But I think he might be injured. Uh, oh, really? I, mm. I think he might be one of those that's touch and go, but they, they've got Jimenez as well from Atletico Madrid. They've got... Of course, uh, yeah. They've Does got Godin still Diego play or is he retired now? Yeah, I think he's, he's still, still there, there, but... He's going to be one of those that's there for team morale and for experience, isn't he? Just like Jordan Henderson. <laughs> And they've got Muslera as well, who's been a good goalkeeper for a very long time now. So so Uruguay will not be any pushovers for anyone. Um, I mean, you can always guarantee with Uruguay you'll get sort of good, passionate, fiery games and probably a sending off or two as well. So, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to watching them. That's bordering on Graham Souness cynicism there. I think they did. Uh, did they finish third in the group behind? They must have finished third. I think Ecuador were fourth, and they were third behind Brazil and Argentina in that group. So yeah, they're not. They're no I don't know. So that should be interesting. Um, the key, key question is, Elio, is Rodrigo Bensagol going to carry on with his fine goal scoring form? Are we going to see him bang in a few goals for Uruguay as they shock a few people and progress through the knockout games? Um, I don't think we'll see a goal from Bentancur. I think okay. he'll he'll be he'll mm. be playing the foil for other players. Yeah. Valverde will be the one going forward, won't he? The two in, in that midfield. It's not exactly Hoiberg and alongside him. Dave, are we going to give Rodrigo Bentancur a goal? We have to lie after his performance on uh, on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Is I, it he's going to get one. He's going to get the one. All right, you know what? I'm going to give him. I'm going to give him one as well. <laughs> give him one as well. We'll go through and count these up, and um, we'll, we'll do a roundup after we've had the World Cup and see who was the closest and who got the total the most accurately. Just a few quick predictions, just to round things off before we finish up. World Cup winner. I know you've kind of hinted at it already, but Elio, who's your favourite to win? Who are you predicting will lift the trophy? We're long overdue a South American win, so I'm mm. going to go with my sentimental side and yep. say it's going to be Argentina. Okay. A lot of people might agree with you on that one. It's a good choice. What about you, Dave? Who's your call? I agree. Really? I, I, mm. I, I think I think Argentina have got the, the makeup of the squad, the success that they've had recently as well. Yeah. Yeah, I can't look past it. And and did I hear right that if they get to the World Cup final, that will be Messi's 1,000th game? 1,000th game. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's written in the stars, isn't it? It's just written in the stars. And I'd love to add, love to show up the Ronaldo sickness. Oh, I mean... Can you can you imagine Twitter if it's a Portugal Argentina final? I I almost wouldn't want to watch. I don't think I could take it. It would be horrible. It would be horrible. Interesting stat I heard: the last time Argentina lost a competitive game, Jude Bellingham hadn't even made his professional debut, which is a bit nuts, isn't it? Wow. I mean, that was probably at the last World Cup. I imagine would have been that game. Uh, 
who was it France I think we were on a boat at the time (laughs) (laughs) less said about that the better I think we can all agree Um, but anyway I I would really love to say Argentina but for the sake of being different I am going to say Brazil which is a bit of a boring answer given they are the bookies favourites but I just think they have quality across the board altogether and they also have a Spurs boy in there as well so Richarlison for the golden boot Um, who is your call for the golden boot that was a joke by the way Um, but wouldn't be a shock Elio who are you going to go for for the golden boot is it is it Messi could it be Lautaro Martinez or would it not be an Argentinian oh I don't Hurricane? know um I mean who's got an easy you talked group? about sort of Portugal there Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo is still going to the World Cup and he's probably still <laughs> he's penalties. gonna be very well rest he's gonna be very well rested <laughs> he <so>. will be <laughs> he'll be raring to so. go it depends how well you think Portugal are going to do because Portugal have some really good players in there as well. Yeah, got Bernardo we Silva, Ruben Dias. Oh, player for player, they've got a great team. I just can't help feeling Ronaldo will be a detriment rather than an asset now. Mm. What do I, you think, Dave? It's, Portugal? No. I, I, no. I, uh, that group is so tough that even if, yeah. even if they, they make their way out of it, I think they'll be, I think they'll be exhausted. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Sorry, Elio. Uh, so, I just I just kind of yeah. hijacked that and passed it over to Dave. There, um, you were you were telling me, or you were in the process of telling me, who are you thinking for the golden boot? Have you got faith in Ronaldo to tap in his um, way to glory? Rebounds, deflections, penalties, <laughs> headers. Screw it. I'm just going to say Messi just because I'd like it. Yeah, I think we'd all like that, wouldn't we? And to be fair, he is scoring for fun at the moment in Liga and looks very, very good. Come on, Dave, let's have your golden boot prediction. I mean, I think Kane's going to be up there, um, but wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful, Bance, if it was if it was between yeah. um, Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe, <laughs> and, and Mbappe, Qatar just, you know, just exploded, and Qatar just ruled the world. I mean, it, it wouldn't be shocking. We dare I suggest? I don't. I don't think we're going to see a South Korea esque. <laughs> corrupt run to the semi-final for Qatar the way we did in 2002 but given that Qatar basically own some of the best players in the world via PSG yeah, think, it wouldn't I mean, shock me if I mean, a few I'm of them get some I think, I think I've, I've said he's going to get six goals and I can't I can't really see anybody getting more but I do think I do think the usual suspects will be up there and I think the usual suspects include those three guys from uh, from Paris I'm going to go for Neymar because I think it will be a shock if Brazil don't get to at least the semi. I expect them to get to the final. I think they'll get come back against Argentina in the semi, actually, if it gets gets to it. So I guess it will depend on who wins that game. But Neymar's the top scorer in Liga in a ridiculous team, and he'll be the spear. Or, of course, Erling Haaland if he gets to play 30 minutes for every team. It was that suggestion, wasn't it, that we saw on Twitter that every team should have a window where they can summon Erling Haaland via paradrop for 20 minutes a game. If that happened, then he'd definitely win the Golden Boot. No, unfortunately, we're not going to see Haaland. But yeah, there's lots of talent on the show and I'm excited and it's going to be going to be a fun one. We're obviously going to probably regroup after the World Cup, I imagine, and see how all of our boys have done and see if that 72% prediction was accurate or not. Any closing thoughts from either of you before we finish either on the World Cup, on England's chances, on Spurs at the moment, or just anything, anything that you think is worth mentioning before we sign things off? I'm happy with how the first half of the season went. Uncomfortable about having a Winter World Cup. I'm telling myself yeah. I'm not going to watch it, but I, I probably will. Yeah. And I'm already looking forward to Boxing yeah. Day when the Premier League reconvenes. <laughs> and our next game is uh, Brentford, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah, Brentford away. Yeah, Brentford away on Boxing Day. Dave, any closing thoughts, whether they be World Cup related? I think it's weird that we've just done a World Cup preview on the 14th of November. <laughs> um, but that's where we are, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, 
I'm keeping my fingers crossed for you because that's a lot of players that could get injured. Oh, why did you have to go there, Dave? You don't want to end on that note. Don't end on that note. Are you are you quite looking forward <laughs> to the, the surrealism? Screwed us. Yeah, I can imagine. Are you looking forward to the surrealism of, of going to the pub in your England shirt and singing Three Lions while it's like minus two outside and there's Christmas decorations up everywhere? I can't go to the pub and watch England games. <laughs> I can't surround myself with people who don't know anything about football. Do you not watch England in the pub? I know Elio I is, to, is no. ag- aggressively anti-pub football. I'm, I know I'm you hate fortunate, it. I'm very fortunate that I know a couple of people who, who run pubs in London. So more often than not, we can get a private room for the big game. So I watched the Denmark game in the Euros in a private room. Well, I don't want to brag, Dave, but I watched the semi-final against Denmark from Wembley Stadium myself. So that was quite an experience. So uh, I don't expect I'll be going to Qatar, though, to watch any games. I think that's uh, a little bit out of reach, but we'll shot, see. Yeah. Definitely be watching every game and <laughs> cheering, and I'll be singing Three Lions and telling everyone that it's coming home until it inevitably isn't <laughs> but i feel like there are a lot of parallels between supporting england and supporting spurs just constant false hope and uh crushing disappointment and, and on that lovely note i think so we're gonna probably... be two we're gonna be two nil down to iran at half time are we and, and then we're gonna four, come back three, and win three two <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's just gonna be picking up exactly where we left off <laughs> exactly Eric's our own well we might coming. do some world cup content we haven't decided yet we're all going to meet up at joe's in the hope that he actually has a tv that will show the football because he's living in the 1980s but uh, we're going to watch at least a few games together and i'm sure we'll have a chance to report back on our views on the world cup and uh, the very latest we'll see you after the tournament and we'll be celebrating on behalf of harry kane finally lifting a trophy and we'll talk about some mundane stuff like spurs brentford at that point but <laughs> we'll get back onto that but please follow us on twitter as always and thanks again to everyone who's listened our twitter is at plus dave podcast i'm at plus dave dags dave is at fantasy dave and elio is at elio underscore p underscore thfc let's hope that the spurs boys can do us all proud at the world cup particularly those of the english contingent and we look forward very much to having you all back again at a point in the future enjoy the world cup stay classy spurs fans and we'll see you soon